Good evening to everyone. Good evening. The word that the Lord has placed upon my heart, I, uh, I kind of have to open up myself and share a part of my testimony in my life. Uh, the title of this message is The Sustaining Power of God's Word. You know, uh, from the point we get saved up to this very moment that I stand before you, every message, every song of praise, every prayer has sustained me for the last 40 years. And just as it has sustained me, it has also sustained you. Because life happens around us in so many different ways. And you sometimes wonder, you sometimes question, how do you get through? Well, tonight I'm here to tell you that you get through because of the sustaining power of God's word. Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I would not sin against thee. I got saved in 1979. Year before that, I met this woman over here that would change my life forever. Now when she first saw me, she came up to me and said, mm, you're the best thing since dark chocolate. Well, that's what I wanted her to say. And the truth of the matter was, when I first met my wife, I couldn't really say I liked her because she had this. She was very quick with it. And we used to have these debates on the job because we met on the job. And I couldn't fire back as fast as she could fire. But that was the very thing that wound up drawing me to her. Because God made her in such a way that she's very black and white. And he knew that me being a gray kind of guy needed somebody that was black and white that would hold me accountable. And whenever God has needed to really speak to me because I'm not hearing him, he has used her. Now, we got married in 1979, same year I got saved, and why I had to seriously consider getting saved was because she would not marry me unsaved. God had instilled that in her. So we've started our journey now, which we've been into for 40 years in 1979. Life happens. Life happens on so many levels. So we're just rolling along. 1982 rolls around. I'm sorry, 1983. It was a time when my father, who was, and to this day I feel still is my best friend, got very sick. And I had to realize something at that point that without the intervention of God, I would not have made it 
because my best friend was very sick. So I ran home to be with my dad, and what it was is he had to have a triple bypass. Now that's back in the day when they crack open your chest and perform the procedure. A lot of room for error. A lot of things could go wrong. But he survived it. And I survived it because of the sustaining power of God's word. The Lord blessed me with eight years more with my father. And the beautiful thing of it all was I left home when I was 17. I joined the military. I finished my time in the military. I um, just grew up, lived on my own from that point forward. And my dad would always say, I'm coming to see you, son. I'm coming to see you. And in the year of his death, he did come and see me, which was 1991. And I had the best two weeks at that time, just sitting on the patio of our home, talking with my dad. That was a moment that I will always cherish because that year he came and see me and that was the same year that he died. It was also the one time that, that I was so certain he was going to walk out of the hospital and he didn't. The sustaining power of God's word. But I got through. Now in 1990, I was diagnosed as a person with diabetes. Now before I would used to say, I'm a diabetic, until a doctor spoke some words into my life. Don't say you're a diabetic because you're claiming an illness. Say you're a person who has diabetes. So I learned to change my confession. And I would share that with you all, that whatever you're going through health-wise, don't say you have whatever the disease name is. Say that you're a person who has that disease, but you believe in God for your healing. Because that's where I am. I'll tell people I'm a person that has diabetes, but I'm believing and I'm trusting God for my healing. My father passed in 91, and when you have one of your parents that pass, you have a tendency to gravitate or to extend those affections to the one parent that you have left. And in my case, that's what happened with my mom. I figured since my father passed so young at the age of 57, and it was the same age that my grandfather died at, 57, look like if I'm not careful, I'm headed down that same road, 57. My diagnosis of diabetes came in 1990. At that time, I weighed 255 pounds. Not an unhealthy guy. 
In fact, a very strong and healthy guy. When I got diagnosed with diabetes, I immediately dropped 20 pounds. I was down at 225. My weight hovered at 225 for a while. I did what I perceived to be at that time everything right. I changed my diet. I started eating things. Slipped here and there. But I was maintaining a healthy, a healthy weight. In 1996, my mom also had to have a bypass surgery. And she wound up having a quadruple bypass surgery. So the curse of diabetes runs in my family. Now, my mother, who had 11 children, was a diabetic most of her life, an insulin-dependent diabetic. But she had 11 children. She also had asthma for a period of time. Now, when she went in to have her bypass surgery, which was in 95, me and a number of our, my siblings were somewhat upset with her because she did not tell us that she was having this operation until the last minute. And when they crack open your chest, and, and at the time when they did that procedure, they would normally take a vein or an artery out of your leg. And for someone that had been an insulin-dependent diabetic, most of the time, the incision that's made in your leg, they have to let the flesh grow back together on its own. And if you know anything about diabetes, some diabetes individuals do not heal well. And someone who was insulin dependent for most of her life, she did not heal well. So there were subsequent complications associated with that. The sustaining power of God's word. She wound up having renal failure and other issues to the point that she passed in 1996. Now you never know the effect that death will have on you until it's knocking at your door. The loss of my mother sent me spiraling down to where I was functioning, but I was not functioning. I was going through the motions. I was getting up. I was going to work. I was doing my job. My wife was constantly checking up on me. Gene, are you okay? Gene, are you okay? And I'm constantly saying, sure, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I wasn't fine. I was functioning at a level that I know it was nothing but God's word that was sustaining me. Because I was able to go through the motion. I was able to get up and go to work. I was able to perform my job duties at work. But I wasn't taking care of home. Eight months I was in a sleeper. Eight months. 
And then one day a voice spoke to me and said, you're going to be all right. And I was. But coming out of that stupor, I almost had us in financial ruins. 1996. I almost had us in financial ruins. God had to minister to me that there were some things I had to relinquish control. Now, up to that point, I had been the financial head of the family. Good with numbers. Good with managing other people's money. Take high risk with my own. And that doesn't work in the family. I was better at managing other people's money, but with my own money, I took risk. And my wife had to convince me to let go control. It was a battle. It was a fight. She can tell you. It was a battle. It was a fight. And reluctantly, I gave in because her argument I could not refute. You've had it for X number of years. We should have been here, but we're there. I need to take control. Now, down this road, I can say her decision was the right decision. Our financial situation has gotten so much better with her in control than with me in control. Now, I can help you manage yours, but I couldn't manage mine. Now, part of the reason that is is because some things happen, life happens when you're growing up. And as much as I love my mom, my mom was bad with money. She was bad with money. And my father trusted her with money. And it kept us in bad financial situations most of the time. That fed into my life, causing me to want to maintain control of the reins, the sustaining power of God's word. He will break you down. He will let you know that you need to give up some things. And to anyone that's married, that's thinking about marriage, desiring to be married, I would say to you, finances is one of them areas that the two of you need to agree who is better at it. And trust that the one that is better at it has your best interest at heart. Now, I'll say I was resistant when Michelle first took over because I wanted to know, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it? Where did every money, all, every penny go? Where did it go? Did you pay this? Did you pay that? She never did that to me when I was in control. She trusted that I would do what I needed to do 
for the benefit of us. But here again, parents, you have such a great influence in the life of your children. Think about some of the things you do. My mom, growing up, had a very uncanny habit. And back when the bank regulations and the restraints weren't as tight as they are now, my mom could take my dad's check and any of her children's check to the bank and cash them. That's how well known she was at the bank. She'd sign our name, cash our check. And she'd help herself to whatever portion she thought she needed. And I say help herself because nine times out of ten, what you got back was not what should have been your check. When I went into the military, I used to send my mother $100 a month because that's how my father trained us. And it's good training because it taught you how to take care of your family. I used to save bonds. I used to get savings bonds. And I used to send those bonds home. Figure I'm going to build a nest egg because my father taught us how to save. My mother knew how to spend, but my father taught us how to save. The sustaining power of God's word entered into my life at a time when I know a seed of bitterness was trying to take root in me. Because I had gotten out of the service, I had my bonds that I had saved up at home, bonds for a period of four years. My mother said she's going to get a new house. She goes out, she buys a new house. I come home for a visit. My mother says to me, you know I took your bonds to use as the down payment for the house. I spent your bonds. Now inside of me, a seed of bitterness was seriously trying to rise up. And I knew it because I had this feeling in my heart that I had never felt before. And I said to the Lord, you got to help me. You got to help me. And the only thing I responded was, okay, mom. But the root was there. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. From that point on, I wouldn't save money. I made money, and I lived in the moment of making that money. That's why I say, parents, be very careful what you do with your children. Be careful how you consider them. Be careful about the things that you do that can impact their lives. It's only, I'll say, within the last 10 years that I really have gotten serious about saving. Prior to that, I lived in the moment. But that's the sustaining power of God's word. Now, I know I've gotten to that place where I've forgiven her. 
But just imagine if the word of God had not been in my life. Just imagine what roads I could have gone down. The effects that could have happened from those events in my life. Nineteen ninety six was when she passed. Now I had a good job working for the federal government. I got a lot of promotions, a lot of advancements. Now people thought it was just because of Gene. And in the job that I had, you meet with some unsavory characters. And it's those folks that you pay all those social security taxes to. That's who I used to work for. We dealt with people from all walks of life. I was a supervisor when I was up in New York. And I'm sure we traded through some of the same territories between New York and New Jersey. Whenever we had somebody that would come into the office, people would come get me. Because Gene's a big guy. And yeah, in some ways, I know I had a calming appearance on the person, but it really wasn't Gene. It was the sustaining power of God's word. And we had this one individual in particular, six feet five inches tall, somewhere between 250 and 270 pounds, all muscle, crazy dangerous. Whenever this guy would come to the office, they would come get me. We could sit down and have a very civil conversation. I'd answer his questions. He'd get up and he'd walk out. Full of demons, but he'd get up and he'd walk out. Wouldn't see him for several weeks, then he'd show up. Fortunately, most of the time that he came in, I was there. The sustaining power of God's word is, every time he saw me, he was cool. Every time. He was very civil. Every time. One day I wasn't there. The guy came in. I wasn't there. This guy tore up the office to the point that it took eight men, eight federal police, to get this guy under control and carry him out of the office. That's how I know every time that we were together, it was the same sustaining power of God's word that kept me. Fast forwarding, 2011, in 2011 I got diagnosed with another issue associated with being a person that has diabetes.
They say I had diabetic retinopathy. What that means is there's a buildup of scar tissue behind your eyes, and this scar tissue buildup is pulling on the retina. If it detaches, you lose vision in that eye. Now, with the diabetic retinopathy, up until age 56, I had great vision. Never wore glasses. I had as close to 20-20 as you can get. In the span of a year, my vision was reduced to what I have presently. It didn't get serious for me until I started seeing blood leaking in my eye. I had no eye pain. I had no floaters. And this is when getting my eyes checked prior to the vision I have now. And I know still it's the sustaining power of God's word that has me seeing what I see to this day. I had to have two surgeries, one on each eye, where literally the scar tissue had to be removed from my eyes. So it was the first time I've ever gone under a knife, didn't have a clue about what to expect. But the sustaining power of God's word is what healed me. Because they literally had to put a slit in your eye, pop your eyeball out, cut away the scar tissue. You lose the aqueous fluid in your eye. The only way they can sustain the retina in a straight line is they have to put oil back into your eye and then reinsert your eye in his socket. Now I had that surgery on both eyes. Subsequent to the surgeries, I had the development of cataracts. Now, the onset of the cataract was so sudden that in my right eye, they could not measure or project light into the back of the eye in order to uh, measure for a lens. So presently, I am unable to see out of my right eye. It is my blind spot. And the only reason I'm able to see what I have vision-wise out of my left eye is the onset of the cataract was not as rapid as the right eye. So yes, I have some vision. But if you had to measure how much vision I have, I would say I have 50% in my left eye, 0% in my right. So when you're flipping through a Bible, what you see is letters on the page. I see a white page. 2011, I went through those surgeries. 
Now, the loss of your vision, you do go through a phase of denial. Because I went through mine. I was still trying to drive with just 50% vision in one eye. I shouldn't have been on the road. The sustaining power of God's word. Because in my foolishness, I would grab my grown son. Come on, we're going to the store. Jump in the car. Take off. You got to be my eyes now. Tell me where the stop signs are. Tell me where the stoplights are. Tell me when I need to yield. And I was so convinced that my method of driving on the road would be successful that I would measure by the double yellow line. Because I could see out this side, but I couldn't see out here. I was on the way back to the house that we had in Florida at the time. And some wise person picked up the phone and called the police and said, there's a drunk guy on the road. That drunk guy was me. Unbeknownst to me, they had followed me almost home before he flipped on the red light and had me pull over. The sustaining power of God's word. That situation could have gone so horribly wrong. The guy came up to the car. Uh, you been drinking, sir? No, I haven't been drinking. Well, you're weaving pretty badly. Well, if I had been drinking, you would have been able to smell it on my breath. I hadn't been drinking. I explained to him that I had an operation. I'm waiting on my vision to come back. I can see out of my left eye, not so well out of my right eye. So he asked my son if he drove. I said, yeah, he can drive, but he doesn't have a license. He said, that's okay. He can drive you around the corner to your house. I don't want you behind the rail anymore. Now, since 2011, I have been believing for my healing. But it's still hard. It's hard, folks, because until your faith is tested, and if you're looking for the results to happen right away, which could happen, it's hard. We've continually gone before the Lord, believing for Gene's healing, believing for Gene's healing. Why hasn't it happened? The sustaining power of God's word has taught me you got to make adjustments. Because see, the adjustments aren't easy either. When you're used to being independent and doing things at your convenience, and now you have to wait on the convenience of your spouse and others, initially that's an inconvenience to you. And that's where I felt it was for a long period of time. It's an inconvenience to me to have to be on someone else's schedule. Why can't I get up and go when I need to go? Why can't I, can I do what I need to do that requires transportation? I had to learn to adjust. 
Despite what I was going through, I had to learn to adjust. And that's what God showed me. You really are learning to be dependent on him. Because it's not just me that has visual impairment. The additional work my wife would have to go through, the additional work my grandsons would have to go through, it impacts them as well. I am now able to negotiate most airports by myself. I am now able with the help and assistance of my grandsons to go to the store by myself. And they're a great help and assistance to me because I can send them looking for stuff and they'll take off running. But I've learned to depend upon my family to help me get through. But I'm still believing God for my healing. That was 2011. Part of the sustaining power of God's word, you begin to wake up to yourself. Because in 2011, I also retired. Because of my vision, I retired. Unbeknownst to me, God's plan in my life had me in such a position that I was able to retire with full benefits because I had age and time. I suffered no reduction. I'm just 57 at the time. It was never my plan to retire at 57. That was never my plan. So I learned through God that you need to get busy doing something. No matter what state you find yourself in, get busy doing something. So with my limited vision and the church that we attended at the time in Florida, they had a great pantry that they ran. The outreach from this pantry fed 3,500 families per month. All volunteer services. Nobody got paid. You show up, you worked, you went home. So that's what we did for a number of years. We worked a food pantry. Even with my limited vision, I sometimes thought I saw better than most people working there. But that's God's word being sustained in my life. Twenty twelve runs along pretty much uneventful. Thirteen fourteen. Roll up on twenty fifteen. The latter part of twenty fifteen. Sustaining power of God's work carried me through until the month of December. I woke up one morning not feeling really great. Michelle was out of town at the time. Uh, my grandsons 
weren't there. Well, I'll take that back. They were there. The grandsons were there. But one of my sons was still at home. Wasn't feeling really great. Got up, went and laid back down. Decided so I'd get up and start getting myself together. And I was walking from my bedroom to the kitchen, maybe 25 feet. Had to sit down because I was out of breath. It was at that point I knew I needed to go see my primary care physician. Climbed into the vehicle, got to my primary care, explained my symptoms. You got an AFib. Rushed me to the hospital. Get in the hospital, immediately admit me. Waited for the cardiologist to show up. 97% blockage in an artery. And when they finally went in and checked, I had some kind of blockage in at least two of the other three. Sustaining power of God's word. I could very easily have rolled over on that floor at home. Had the surgery. They wound up putting three stents in one, two in another, and three in the third one. So this very day, I'm walking around with eight stents. Three surgeries later, because see, that demon heart disease is trying to take my family. Prior to my heart issues, I lost one brother because his heart blew up on him. He was only 48 years old. The sustaining power of God's word. It's always had me react in time enough. I remember one day saying to the Lord, I have no desire to live beyond the days that you have numbered for Gene. But by the same token, I don't want to check out of here any earlier than you say I should. And I have asked him that I would live to see my son, sons, sons. And I'm believing that's what's going to happen. I'm going to live to see my son, sons, sons. Because of the sustaining power of God's word. Now, one thing that God has really been ministering to me about is healing. He's been ministering to me about healing. So the timing of this fast week was very appropriate. Because I need to know, why don't we see miracles of healing in the church today? We have the Bible. We have all the testimony of the saints that have come before us. And yet, we don't see miracles to the degree that we should. Why is that? 
what aren't we doing that they were able to do? So I'm going to go through this study. I'm going to continue my fast beyond this week because I need to know. Healing should be occurring. It should be that my shadow can walk by someone that is ailing and they get healed. It should be that the garments that I wear, the virtue of healing should flow from me if someone touched me. So with that, I leave you with this. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, Reproof, correction, and somebody help me out. Instructions in righteousness. Yes. And that's the word that God laid upon my heart for you to say. <laughs>